Welcome to the Insight Podcast. My guest today is Steve Jones. Steve is a clinical psychologist, author of the book Act Made Yorkshire, a Sheffield lad's take on acceptance and commitment therapy, and he's a podcast host as well. I talked to Steve about therapy and men, what we get wrong about men's mental health, the phrase self-care, how to navigate through difficult periods of life, and more. Enjoy the episode. So recently I listened to a psychologist called Adam Lane Smith on Chris Williamson's Modern Modern Wisdom podcast. (laughs) And he said, male depression is usually based on feeling useless, powerless, and unable to affect one's life or environment. Therapy models focus on helping men feel heard and loved instead of restoring their sense of personal power. Men need solutions, not just feelings. End quote. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? There's a lot to unpack in that, isn't there? Because <laughs> um, just just hearing the idea of um, depression in relation to feeling sort of the lack of agency, so like you are powerless, not necessarily de- restricted to men. Mm-hmm. So um, granted, when we sort of social social ideas of what masculinity is a lot of the language that we use is quite it's tied up in dynamism it's tied up in power it's tied up in uh being able to affect change and create change so when we might be in a situation that means that we can't do that for whatever reason that may be whether that's because of our social environment whether that's because of our job whether that's because of our bodies and what they do or don't do on any particular time that can create a disconnect between what we're taught to be as men and what we feel or perceive we can actually have control or power of now it's important to say that that's not only to do with men mm. uh, that speaking to um to women to females about sort of uh, depression or feelings of low mood or apathy or, or stuckness, those still those things still can apply. And it's, it's tricky because the idea of depression being one singular unit and it's, it's one size fits all is quite reductive in itself, that everyone experiences that slightly differently and it's important to listen to that flavour. But at the same time, if I'm thinking about who I am as a man and what I've been taught to do, it can feel quite stuck. The idea that men need solutions and not contact with their feelings actually is playing into that a little bit, isn't it, if we think about it? Mm-hmm. I'm... If I'm thinking about men, you know, we're taught stiff upper lip, big boys don't cry. You know, those those type of statements that are so pervasive. There's the idea that, well, you're not allowed to have these emotions. You're not allowed to have these thoughts and these feelings. You must fix it. You must change it. You must get rid of it. But what if you can't? Why if it? amenable to change what if what you're feeling is actually quite appropriate to the context you find yourself in if i feel really low really upset really sad and something quite terrible has happened to me is that appropriate in the short term granted if it's pervasive and if it's affecting multiple areas of life or if it's enduring yes that's a different conversation but the initial start of it can be, I feel horrible. This situation is making me feel horrible. I can't make it go away. Therefore, I am worthless. Therefore, I am broken or wrong. 
tying into those ideas of masculinity and what that's supposed to be might exacerbate that somewhat. I suppose it's, as I'm as I'm talking, all I'm thinking is, and it's really hard to say what depression is as a universal thing, and I could probably waffle on more <laughs> than I just have done. But it's it feels like there's a bit more subtlety needed when we're thinking about mental health or male mental health or anything in general. Ah, okay, so we're saying that it's it's both, it's not one or the other. And I suppose when I read that quote back again, um, Adam Lane Smith, this, this guest on this podcast said, men need solutions, not just feelings. So I suppose he wasn't saying actually men need solutions, yeah. they don't need feelings. He did say men need solutions, not just feelings, which is um, something you would agree with then. I, I'm guessing that, that we need to be talking about both the solutions and the feelings. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I think there's... Um... That's exactly right. There is a there is a bit of both. So the yes, you want solutions. You want to be able to find your way towards what's important to you and to ultimately to feel more like the person you want to feel like. I suppose the the thing in that is, well, women would probably need that to some extent as well. It's not to say that yes, there are differences, but you know, women want, it's not just sitting in a room talking about how you are, it's about sitting in a room looking at, well, how can you affect change? Yeah. So that I often talk to clients when I'm first introducing sort of what I do, what a psychologist is, no matter what approach I'm coming, whether it's cognitive behaviour therapy, acceptance commitment therapy, the word therapy, I always sell as a conversation to help change. And it's the change mechanism that is the important bit because talking about it, fabulous. Understanding, fabulous. Willingness, fabulous. But it's the change. Mm. When your uh, your guest mentioned about um, solutions, that can be something that we can think in that therapy is about finding ways out of a current situation and understanding a situation and trying to help someone generate that and not to be told it, but for them to generate it. That's the, whether we're talking to men, women, children, older adults, anything in between. So what we're pitching for. Yeah. I like that. I like that, that different phrase instead of therapy, because I suppose therapy has some connotations and maybe men and women uh, are worried about talking about going to therapy, but perhaps it'd be a more, healthy way to describe it. Oh, I'm going to go for a, a conversation of change or the phrase that you used might be uh, more um, more accepted by people, maybe. Um, I really like that. But, but I see what you mean as well about the solutions. Of, of, of course, men and women want solutions. Um, we're all practical. We all want to have agency and we all want to do what we can to move through a difficult period, whatever that is. And I suppose that, um, that acceptance part is, is important as well. You know, you're saying about how you want to, to change the situation or find a solution, but then I suppose that's also balanced with the, the acceptance of the situation and the leaning into feelings. Um, is that something that's also part of the, the practice and the, th- the therapy as well? Yeah, hundred percent. Sort of mm. the leaning into and turning towards difficulty, <clears throat> the recognition of it. Well, that's vital to be able to then steer away from it, or to not steer away. That's not where I meant. <laughs> the idea of being able to navigate your way beyond that, mm. well, you have to turn towards it first. And so, is there anything that we get wrong about men's mental health? If that's a kind of an appropriate question to ask <laughs> are there things we get wrong about mental health when it comes to men yeah and I, I, a lot of the focus comes on to what you see in mental health services and in in therapeutic settings and services but actually i think a lot of the the issues stem from when we're young you know from when what we hear in education and how education set up that boys 
and I've had this conversation with lots of people that I mentioned alluded to chin up, stiff mm. upper lip, big boys don't cry, stop even the phrase stop being a girl. Like mm. really, please, no. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um but boys are almost um and and males are taught that that is how you navigate the world. You navigate the world through getting things right, through your physicality, you know, being bigger, faster, stronger, better. Well, if that's all you're ever taught, by definition, you are not going to be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the most intelligent, the most X, Y, Z, because by definition, you can't be. Hmm. So what are you then teaching young children? What are you teaching boys? You're teaching them to fail. And that sense of not being comfortable with your place in the world because you're always having to fight and be in a pecking order to be the best. And then when boys, for instance, uh, display um behaviors that are in line with feeling distressed or upset that often come out physically because that's what we teach boys to do so they you know they're they're being aggressive or they're being uh it's, it's just what they do you know they're being violent or they're being uh they're shouting or they're swearing or they're fighting Hold on, no, that's what we teach them to do as a society. And then we're upset when they do it. Now, I'm not saying this is, it's obviously not a blanket. It's not, and I'm going to keep caveating this all the time because what <laughs> applies when I'm broad brush stroking it towards boys here, I could be talking about girls, I could be talking about not all boys, but broad brush strokes. And we're not teaching emotional vocabulary that we associate with men. So the ideas of, we use words like shy, and it might just mean, well, because you're not brash, because yeah. you're not, it's not on your sleeve all the time. We, we use words to describe um to describe emotions that might we just don't feel comfortable applying it to a boy without it being a problem mm. exactly the same thing happens with women obviously you know the thing about assertive an assertive man the same behavior in a woman well they're not called assertive mm. by society the exact opposite happens with little boys and that, we're getting it, it feels like we're getting it wrong there. Because if you don't have the words to describe something, how can you make sense of it? We are linguistic animals. We, we create our world through verbal relations and being able to categorise things and being able to relate one concept to another via language and systems. If we're never teaching kids this language, how are they supposed to relate to it? Mm. And if you can't relate to it, how do you make sense of it? If you can't make sense of it, how do you do anything about it? So I think a lot of the focus, and understandably, comes towards services. Actually, we could probably do with rewinding that quite considerably. I think when we talk about services, the idea from men when I've worked in certain places is, oh, I can't do this. This is this is weird. I'm sat in a room talking to you. This is I should be doing something about it. Again, going back to the previous question about solutions and being action orientated. And half of that is not because the environment doesn't work or is wrong because therapy is very effective for huge amounts of men. But it's not the space that is wrong. It's 
people's perception of it because of what they've been taught warps it or mm-hmm. makes it feel other or alien or different. It's a feminine thing, I, and I get that as a as a male therapist. You have that thing of if I say I'm a psychologist, people have made lots of assumptions that I'm a psychiatrist. I'm a medic. It's like no, I'm a psychologist. Whereas if I if I say I'm a therapist, go huh. And the phrase is, oh, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> Why? What, what is it about, about that? Because um, it's seen as often a feminine thing, when actually, when we're talking about turning towards difficulty, when we're talking about um, trying to make changes to make your life and the life of your loved ones more, Hmm. Well, actually, that is what we're telling men to do, to, to create solutions, to, to, to do, to be active. But yet, when it comes to this, we're not. Feels like a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So you kind of like, it's the essence of masculinity is to reach out to people and to talk and to wear your heart on your sleeve it's it's not the opposite which is maybe what we've kind of grown up with the um keeping quiet and not saying anything and not sharing that actually being vocal being very in touch with your feelings being very comfortable in your own skin as well and looking for solutions and looking for change where needed that is a that's a that's a healthy thing for a man to be doing and we want to be encouraging it i suppose and i like we talked about the vocabulary because that that's really important isn't it and i've seen um a couple of times that 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 vocabulary wheel of, um i don't know who, who created it i'm sure you've seen it with the kind of the basic words in the middle you know, sad angry upset whatever and then it extends out doesn't it because well what do you mean angry? Do you mean, um, do you really mean angry? Do you mean rage or do you just mean frustrated or do you mean mm-hmm. stressed? All these different things. And, and that's where we can really actually, you know, you, what is it? You, you can't tame it until you name it, I think is a phrase, or maybe I've just made that one up. I'm not sure, but it's something similar to that, that of course you've got to, you've got to know what the actual feeling is if, if you're going to confront it. I listened to Rain Wilson, do you know, the actor who's Dwight in the U S office. I don't yep. I listened to him on a podcast recently and he, um, just this morning, and he was talking about when he first went to therapy in kind of his early or mid twenties and how the therapist asked him, you know, how are you feeling? And he said, I'm angry. And then the therapist, we kind of had to nudge him in the right direction and um, say, well, no, no, what are you actually feeling? And he, he got to, eventually he got to the uh, realization that actually he was feeling overwhelmed because he wasn't getting work and he was a, this young actor and he was trying to make it in New York and it wasn't happening. Um, and so that just goes to show that just how important it is to have the words to, to fit the bill and, and then move forward from that. Um, it seems like a really useful little resource that, that one does. Yeah. The, the idea that um, you can describe what you feel using any words that you want to. So I've so many times when I'm not now working in uh, in children's services as much. When I was working in adults, it's like, can I can I swear? <laughs> if if th- yeah, go for it. I'm not going to say what people described angry as or upset as. I'll not make you put a parental guide on you on a podcast (laughs) it's like yeah of course you can if that's the language that you use to relate to what you feel go for it and we can build Mm. from there there's this thing that i've got to be um because i suppose psychology therapy is seen as quite middle class run by middle class people when in reality no it's whatever you need it to be so if you need to rant and swear and say things that you then go oh that's okay that's that's how you relate to it how how am i i can i describe something that's yellow without using the word yellow i can but i'm gonna be skirting around it a bit Uh, Mm. it's bright looks like looks like the sun (laughs) uh well i could be describing red or orange there 
But you wouldn't know that. And I wouldn't know that you don't know what I mean. So actually, no, just use the words that come to you. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that language is very underrated in this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So what about self-care? Kind of, it feels <laughs> like we can move from, um, you know, expectations around young boys growing up into men into self-care. And I'm wondering what, what that, what that means to you self-care and does it look different for for men and women do you have any frustrations around that that phrase um just your thoughts around it i have many thoughts um <laughs> so i think um self-care is is a, a phrase that is can be incredibly helpful i do think it can be quite diluted as well and um can be used as a throwaway term now i'm fully aware of someone who's my own podcast has the phrase self-care in it i am slightly hypocritical there (laughs) but it's about knowing the intent of what you're trying to get across because self-care is not a panacea it is not something that will just make everything better it also won't make necessarily make bad things go away i think self-care is very individual Mm. and but at the same time there are themes that come out so for instance i've alluded to the fact that i'm a man working in a very female dominated uh profession whether it's healthcare in general the the mdts that i work in multidisciplinary teams that i work into or psychology and when people ask what have you what have you done at the weekend or or um, you know what? What do you get up to? What do you enjoy? And if I talk about, well, for my self care, I ran around on a football pitch, basically give myself a head injury every five minutes uh, because I went, "Ooh, ball!" I went after it like a Labrador because that's just that was good for me. The 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 competition to get that to get that out and. When I talk about, I loved nothing more than a massive sliding tackle and leaving one on someone because it, I'd got to do two things there that meant I was closer to winning. Now, that for me is incredibly rewarding and I loved it and I hate the fact that I can't play now as much as I could. But it was a thing of, uh, it happened a few times where people went, Oh God, you're such a bloke. Mm. Not in a disparaging way. And sometimes I, I realise I just said that in quite a disparaging tone, but there's one particular person who said something like that to me uh, on my uh, doctorate course. You're such a man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, that's exactly what I am. But my, my self-care when I was talking about it was playing football, controlled I say controlled aggression playing video games that were you know they aren't they are all 18 rated for a reason a lot of the games that I play they're reading silly fantasy books or just being with my mates talking absolute nonsense like Mm. yeah stuff I could never repeat in civilized society but that was self-care to me that's that's what it is that looks wildly different for someone else doesn't it yeah it's this idea that self-care is the same for everyone again it becomes diluted now if i ask my wife what self-care is to her that's going to look wildly different to my idea no mine isn't wrong hers isn't wrong they can both exist and that's I think that's where self-care sort of kicks in. I think yeah. it's anything that allows you to recharge your reserves. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean physical energy. That could be your emotional energy, your load. Mm. It could be 
your joy has hit the bottom. It could be could be anything or anything that allows you to plug one of your resources in and allow it to top up, allow you to do things that give you vitality. That is self-care to me. And I wonder that whether that would be a more useful phrase to recharge rather than self-care, but then I suppose that could quickly become diluted as well. But I completely see what you're saying, that self-care, I, I, I think, um, yeah, can relate and maybe have the same thoughts around it as you, that it's quickly become synonymous with eating chocolate, having a glass of wine and having a bath. And it's like, that's exactly what we mean by self-care. And of, of course, many people, men and women, that, that, that's not appealing to them. It's certainly not that appealing to me, although I do enjoy chocolate and the occasional glass of wine. But there are other things that are much more effective in recharging my batteries and just providing a bit of perhaps pressure release, you, you might want to call it. And you, you mentioned video games and, and that's exactly, you know, I'm, I'm 35. I kind of am a bit reluctant to admit that I, I, I play video games, but I do once or twice a week. And I do because it's my chance to talk with one of my best friends. And, you know, the video game is just kind of the it's like the arena of our conversation. That's all it is. It's just something yep. so that, you know, we've got something to be doing with our hands and, you know, some kind of goal to work towards. But actually what we're doing is we chat and we catch up for a good hour, hour and a half. And sometimes it's just ridiculous talking about, you know, videos that we've watched, um, funny things, whatever. But sometimes it's about, sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's about documentaries. Sometimes it's very serious. It's about, you know, he's expecting a baby now and we're, we're talking about the practicalities of that. Um, I've been through some heartbreak fairly recently and, you know, we talk about that. And yeah, so the video game is just the, the what, yeah, like I said, like the arena for it. And then also like what you said about football and and you know you like to get stuck in and, and I can relate to that as well you know I like going to the gym and lifting weights and I love getting involved in team sport where I can as well and you can be a bit boisterous and a bit angry and a bit aggressive and I wonder whether sometimes we the 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 pushback against this is the I guess the toxic mess masculinity kind of argument isn't it that oh if, if you're if you're being aggressive and you're being like that then you're you're being toxic in some way and so then there's been a a pushback against the pushback, you know, in that men are saying, well, you know, I should be allowed to be like this. Of course, like this is, this is how we've evolved surely um, to be, to be uh, part of a team and to be aggressive and to kind of have some primal urges to fight and to maybe look at people as well, you know, do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. If you, if I'm playing a, if I'm playing a sport and I'm wanting to win and I'm screaming as loud as I can or I'm making sure that person doesn't have a clean run past me. I'll put it like that. Well, I'm a I'm wearing a very different hat to when I rock up on a Monday morning and I'm sitting with patients. Hmm. Or when I come home and I talk to my little boy. It's the idea that if I show it in one quite specific context, that that is me in every context? Well, it's not quite clearly. I would mm. never say certain things in different <laughs> contexts. I speak in a completely different way, as my wife will tell me if I ever kick into sort of therapist voice. She rolls her eyes and says, Steve, because of course I'm going to act differently. Mm. So this idea that if you're displaying a behavior in a certain context, that that needs to be, ooh, watch out. If it bleeds into all different contexts, okay, that might be something to look at. But if you're, if you're saying in this specific arena, that's what I'm doing and this is what I enjoy and this is vital, like revitalizing to me in some way, go with it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. As long as it's controlled, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. And and appropriate at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's context anything, dependent. It? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And balance. I think balance is everything. Yeah. So I was gonna move on to talking about difficult periods 
in people's lives? And I think I, I sent you this question before before we hit record and you're talking about whether you might want to talk about a, a difficult period in your own life. And it doesn't have to be that, I suppose. Um, I guess I'm just interested to hear from someone that does the work that you do about how anyone can can move through a difficult period of their life. And that's just probably the broadest question I could ask, isn't it? But I hope you see what I'm getting at. And just the, you know, what what are some of the standard approaches? What are the little pieces of advice, the kind of pearls of wisdom that in general can help people navigate their way through a tough situation, whether that is breaking up with a partner, challenging colleagues at work, um, maybe not being where they want to be physically. Like I said, I, I know that's a very general question, um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I can. I I have had a quite a long think about um, the sort of difficult areas of life. Hmm. And before I sort of get to that, the the idea of the the pearl of the pearl of wisdom, that something that I learned working more in adults and. Um, sort of older adults work it really stuck with me the amount of people when you talk about right what's important to you what are your values yes there are difficult things in your life and we will come to that and what is important to you and the amount of people who turned around and just have no idea or oh, I've not really thought about it before. I find that heartbreaking hmm. that you've got to any age in life. As I'm thinking, even from three, four year old, never mind in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you go, oh, I don't think I've ever really thought about it. What are we doing in society where we aren't encouraging people to think? Not what do you do, but why do you do it? Why is this important to you? The the thing that I'll talk about when I'm working with someone is they they when you see psychologists, therapists, you've usually been referred because something is in inverted commas a problem or there is some difficulty in your life. And so people come expecting to talk about that quite rightly understandably one of the things that i talk about is this idea of all right let's imagine that you're on a ship you're out in the middle of the water middle of nowhere okay the anchor's down you're going to pull it up big heavy chain on hand over hand trying your best to get that up now let's imagine that you do that you manage it you hoist that up, all that difficulty that you managed to get through, then what? What direction do you want to go in now? If you've done all the hard work, what's what's the point? And talking to people, well, what's the purpose of a ship? Well, it's to get back to land eventually. Or if which way is land? Don't know. Right. Because otherwise, you're just, you've done all that hard work and you're just bobbing in the same place. Or you might just go randomly and not actually get what you want. So even in difficulty, it's vital to know what direction you actually want to go in. And to spend time really trying to connect with your values, what is truly important to you. And that's sort of the core of everything I try to do. And it's really empowering to see someone who starts to understand not what they've been told should be important to them not I go to work why no seriously why beyond Mm -hmm. getting paid why is that important why is it important to you to get paid why is it important for you to provide for your to have a house to provide for your family to have recognition to, to all the other things that go with it because that's a much richer fuller answer than i got to work for instance and that's quite a, a simple a reductive uh, answer there but i think that's 
probably the key. And that's what's helped me when I've hit some pretty significant stumbles and blocks. It's hold on. No, why am I doing this? Why do I why do I care? Why am I getting upset by this? Mm. So it didn't matter to me. If I didn't care about it, I wouldn't be upset about it. Mm. So it's all about values. It's all about purpose. Yeah. And yeah. so to dig into that, is it just a case of asking yourself those questions? Is it getting is it also talking to someone as well or can we do this ourselves? can we do both is there anything else where we can how do we do that because you know people might be listening to that 30s 40s 50s even older that might think well yeah actually i'm not sure of my values i'm not sure of my purpose um yeah so how, how do we how do we dig into that so i think it is possible to do it on your own i think talking to someone is also really helpful because it gives you a bit of a soundboard. It gives you um, something to reflect back. Mm. However, it can be done on your own. There is lot. There are lots of resources around values and things like uh, sort of values clarification lists, which you can find online. They might not be perfect, but it can give and spark mm. ideas. I think the, an important thing to think about with your values is not oh, but I can't do that, or I don't do that. Well, actually, that's a really good thing to highlight then because mm. it's important to you in some way if your mind is saying, well, you can't do it. Mm. Mm. Why? Why would it even register if it wasn't important to you? And the idea that ask yourself why. So anything that you do, ask yourself why. So the example that I gave about work, but it could be, um, so I'll give one about, uh, I'll use football because I've talked about it. Why did you play? So I enjoyed it. Why did you enjoy it? I liked winning. Why? Uh, because I liked winning? Oh no, <laughs> that's the same. Why? <laughs> Because I enjoy competition. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Why do you enjoy competition? Uh, because I enjoy competition. Huh. So it's not actually, I could, I could lift football out and I could drop something else in there. If it's competitive, it will give you something similar. Yeah. So you might not be able to do the, the gold star neon sign version, but you can do something that gives you that competition. The other side of, oh, it's a team sport. Why is that important? Because I get to meet people who are completely different to me. Mm-hmm. Why is that important to you? I like, I'm curious. Oh. So actually curiosity is important to you. Why is curiosity important to you? Because it drives me, it gives me interest. Huh, hold on, we're getting somewhere. And I guess that, about, yeah. sorry, go on. <laughs> no, it's just about asking, keep drilling why. Yeah. Not what you do, but why do you do it? Yeah. And that surely must be so freeing when you then realize actually there's all these other possibilities of ways that I can enact my values. Oh, it's not just football, it's any competitive sport. Oh, so why don't I try some other competitive sport? Oh, I'm a curious person. Or maybe I, I, could, I could also go to a book club to kind of um, nurture this value of mine where I'm, I'm curious and learning about a new topic, but also meet, meeting people. So I, I really like that. And I guess also when you, you ask that, that why, 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 I think it's called like the, the pretend you're a three-year-old. You just keep asking why, yeah. keep asking why, keep asking why. And I suppose where, when you get to the end of that, it could fork off in, in two ways where you go, oh yeah, actually... I keep doing this behavior and it's not really serving me and it's not really connected to my values. So maybe I should stop. But the other side of the fork is, oh yeah, that's that value. And yeah, I'm really comfortable with that. Actually, that makes me feel good. So I feel good about keeping up this hobby or this line of work or whatever it is. I'm going to say, if you say why, and the answer is to stop something happening, 
or to get rid of something or to avoid it, it's probably a good time to ask, why is it important for me to not have that? Yeah. Not, not focusing on what it is, but focusing on why is it important for me to not have that? What is it about that that's getting in the way or that is causing you distress? Mm. And it, it can still give you more information, but it's yeah. about hearing, is this because I want to move towards it or do I want to move away from it? Yeah. And continuing to notice that. Yeah. The other, going back to what you said about work, I suppose someone might reply to that, that it's kind of from a place of privilege, isn't it? When you can say, oh, the, I don't enjoy this work, so I'm going to find something else. Whereas lots of people are in a situation where they, where they can't find another job and, and, and that's the job they've got. And, you know, that, that's very common. But I suppose then still, if, you're, if, you've, if you've dug deep into your values and you've found your value, that then, yes, you might be in a difficult situation in a job that you're not enjoying, but can you, find, can you attach some value to it in some way? Does it have some purpose that you just haven't found it yet? Or at the same time, or, or I'm not sure, um, do you figure out your value and realize, oh, being creative is a value, so I'd like to write more, but I've got this really tough job that takes up all my time and I've got a family, but actually maybe I could carve out 10 minutes at the weekend just to write something, a little short story that you work on, or maybe being competitive is your value and you're like, I just don't have time to be competitive with my busy work and family life, but actually can you carve out a little bit more time and then maybe that time expands and expands and expands and then all of a sudden you realise, oh, my week has got a bit more of the thing that I enjoy in it. And, oh, I have writing that short story has led to this newspaper reaching out and saying that they'll pay me for a, an article, whatever it is, once a month and you're making a little bit of extra income. Um, maybe that's my head in the clouds kind of moment, but I hope it's, uh, I hope it's the case. <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense. It's, it's tapping into the idea that just because you're, um, you're doing something that's in line with your values that doesn't mean to say it's an absence of discomfort. Mm-hmm. If I want to drive, I have to sit in a car, I have to learn, I have to be a beginner, I have to sit through a test. If you're like me, you might fail it several times. And <laughs> you have to you have to keep going back. Now I don't want to. Why am I doing it? I valued the freedom that it gave me, the independence that it eventually gave me, the ability. Well, that allowed me to do my job because I wouldn't do it if I couldn't drive. Oh, all the other things. So the idea that moving towards what's important is an absence of discomfort, it's not, it's not true. And there it comes a line where I am not willing to tolerate this level of discomfort for this value. It's a completely valid judgment call that we can all make. But if we never turn towards it, we never know what that line might be. Yeah. And I guess all, all growth involves discomfort, doesn't it? If we want yeah. to grow, we have to get a little uncomfortable. If we want to get fitter, we have to get a bit uncomfortable when we exercise. <laughs> it's a very simple example. Oh, man, Steve, it's been a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, really enjoyed chatting to you about these topics. It's something that I'm really interested in and I just I, I love having conversations like this. So I really appreciate your time, mate. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me. It's, uh, yeah, and the, it's just lovely to talk through this type of stuff and to to get it to, well, just to get my own brain whirring a little bit more. So thank you very much. Ah, oh, you're welcome. Um, so there's three questions though, that I ask every guest before, uh, we finish. And the first one is, what's that one lesson that you wish you'd have been taught when you were younger? Don't be afraid to do what you enjoy. Just thinking about this, the, so I did a I did a lot of stuff that I enjoyed as a kid, um, but it's so much that I didn't do because I didn't think it was cool, mm. or because it didn't fit 
with the people immediately around me. And the opportunities that you look back on and go, oh, I wish I'd have been doing that. So I'm a massive nerd. And sort of embracing the fact that I love sci-fi. I never read a uh, I never read a fantasy book. I never read a full book cover to cover until I was 20, which considering how many I've now read is quite absurd because it was, oh, it's not something I do type thing or uh, being really into sort of nerd culture and just only sort of dipping into that when it started to become mainstream. I've got well off into the weeds now, but as a kid, I just didn't want to. It was like I'd play football and you'd play with Pokemon cards because it was mainstream. But beyond that, let's not talk about that. So I just wish some, I'd go back to myself, just Steve, crack on. If you want to figure out what this thing called D&D is, go and do it. Because I've still not done it and I've listened to podcasts about it and watched TV shows and stuff. Still not playing. It's like, why didn't that? I had the opportunity when I was a kid to grow up with this and I'd have loved it. Why not? I'm sure Stranger Things has done a lot to boost the popularity of it, hasn't it? Yep. <laughs> All based around that. <laughs> I'm curious as well about Dungeons and Dragons. Never played it. it sounds like a big um a big time investment investment to get your head around it, but maybe one day. Maybe one day. Well, I've sunk thousands of hours into football manager. And as my wife same, points out, that's, that's a glorified spreadsheet. So, you know, why not something else? That socially acceptable <laughs> version of sitting down and doing nothing for six hours. Why not do something else? So true. I would not like to see the amount of hours I racked up in like my teenage years and early 20s on Football no, Manager. Not. It would be scary, <laughs> wouldn't it? It would be scary. Right, next question. Um, what's one habit that I can add to my day, to my routine, that could help me feel great? Ask yourself, what would I say to a friend who felt like this? So this idea that we, if we're talking to a friend, we will offer, um, if they're struggling with something, they're feeling something is difficult or it's hard or they're upset, we will often, our first response be to offer compassion, to offer kindness. Yet when it's us, sort of failed. It's because I'm rubbish. It's da 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 da. Well, no. Why? Why can't we take that kindness to? And kindness doesn't mean that I'll let myself off with it. It means can I recognise it? Oh, okay, right. This happened. What do I do about it? It doesn't mean that you have to be harsh and criticise yourself for it happening. Because we probably wouldn't do that to someone else that we cared about. And just that question, how would I treat someone else in this situation? Just to change that perspective a little bit. And finally, if you could give everyone in the world... One book, which book would you give them? You're allowed to say your own. I've, yeah, it feels real. I, I would debate, like, ha, 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 this feels awkward. Um, yeah, granted, I would, of course, say my own book, Act Made Yorkshire, because the stuff we talked about, about therapy not being uh, other and alien and trying to write it in as close a way to my upbringing as I could. Mm. Um, yeah. However, I'll not advocate everyone in the world by copying my book as much as I'd love you to. <laughs> um, but the book that I adore the most is one I'm thinking about whether it's, do I say self-help books or things that can transform people? No, actually, go with the story that's made the most impact. And it's um, The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. It's a fantasy story. But it is the most beautifully written prosaic book. The use of language and lyric in the text is just its gorgeous. And mm. the story itself is brilliant. So 
I'm hoping a third one comes out at some point. I've been waiting 11 years. Um, so I hope that happens at some point. But the first two are phenomenal. So I highly encourage people to check it out. I've not heard of that one. Um, but I always I always say this, that I want to read more fiction, that I don't read enough fiction. Um, and I really want to get into the habit. So I love hearing a recommendation like that because I just ignite reignites that spark where i think come on sam get down to the library get <laughs> get get a good like fantasy or something book out have a bit of a break from the psychology and the the self-care books and all that um so uh, yeah great recommendation i'm definitely going to check it out um that sounds great um awesome thank you so much steve people that want to okay. connect with you where can they find you and, and where of course can they can they get their hands on your book as well uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter um, at Jones1302 or at Act Made Yorkshire. Um, on Instagram too, under the same handles, I believe. Um, you can check out the book. It's on Amazon. Um, it's a it's a paperback, an ebook, or um, an audio book if you want to listen to my voice for 18 hours or whatever it takes, um, that's, that's your choice. Uh, alternatively, I also have a, uh, try to get in a podcast up and running. Um, can I say the title on here? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, yep. Shit shower and self care. Um, (laughs) that's designed around male mental health, trying to have conversations just, as if it's two blokes in a pub just talking about stuff we don't talk about, essentially. Mm-hmm. Important to say that it's spelled S-H asterisk T, shower and self-care, purely because I didn't want to get censored everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> good, good. But, um, but yeah, uh, An important topic and, you know, the conversations that we need more of in the world for sure. Right, Steve, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'll let you go. And yeah, I'll, I'll be in touch soon and looking forward to putting this episode out there. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, like I say, it's lovely to talk about it. And yeah, take care. Okay, thank you for tuning in. I really hope you found my conversation with Steve insightful. If you did enjoy the episode, please share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it helpful. You can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.